are listening to True Crime Fiction, feeding your addiction to the best of the written and the spoken word in crime. If you would like to support the podcast, you can do so for as little as £1 at patreon.com slash truecrimefiction. In the late 70s, Margaret Thatcher was beginning to develop one of the most well-known tenets of Thatcherism, the often quoted, there is no such thing as society, which, like many quotes, thinks Marx and religion being the opium of the masses, has become unmoored from its context. However, the impact of the quote, whether moored or not, is still important. It came to symbolise the 1980s, the rise of the individual, the end of conformism, and the beginning of the erosion of the social safety net, which continues 40 years on. While crime, and specifically murder, has always happened no matter the political atmosphere, some crimes can end up becoming lodged in the memory because they somehow typify either the spirit or the fears of the age in which they are committed. So it was when it comes to the White House farm murders, a family annihilation. The murders were not named after the family, the Bambers, as is often the case. Instead, they were named after the family home. Homes in literature, and particularly English literature, have always been symbolic of class. The Gothic novel, often set in castles, symbolises the collapse of the aristocracy. The golden age of crime was often set in country houses, where it symbolised the post-war collapse of the upper middle classes. The current renting and housing crisis, which started long before the pandemic with the sell-off of social housing and other Thatcher policy, may produce another set of interesting writing about our fears and what homes and houses mean. In The White House Farm, we see a similar threat to the middle class residing and working in rural areas, active in their community and conforming to increasingly outdated religious expectations, which are typified by Neville and June Bamber. The glamorous new age of individualism is symbolised by their adoptive children, model Sheila and want-to-be playboy, sometimes drug dealer and thief Jeremy. Their grandchildren, who were also murdered, of course, symbolise, as all children do, no matter the genre, hope for the future. The murders were committed by Jeremy, who rejected his parents' ethos of hard work and wanted instead easy money to fund the lifestyle he felt entitled to. However, all the money was locked up in the farm and his parents, sister and nephews all stood in the way of inheriting. Once the murders took place, the police were quick. Not to point the finger at Jeremy with his obvious motive, but Sheila. Sheila had been previously hospitalised for schizophrenia and a combination of stigma and prejudice meant that for some time she was seen as the only obvious culprit. The six-part drama series White House Farm follows the investigation into the case from the death of the Bambers to Jeremy's arrest, including the internal politics of the police. 
ironically for a murder which embodies the tension between conformity and individualism, it is within the ranks of the police that we see this tension play out in reverse. The consensus that Sheila, unable to cope with her mental health problems, committed the murders on a break from reality was shattered by the tenacity of D.I. Stan Jones, who, rather than conforming to the view of his superiors, doggedly pursued his individual theory and helped family members who also shared suspicions about Jeremy and his behaviour. While Jeremy, his crimes and targets typified the tension around the rise of the yuppie with all the superficiality it entailed, the story of the investigation shows how necessary individualism is to avoid groupthink and encourage flexibility and adaption. Leaving the series as a whole to show how absolutes at either end of this scale are undesirable And instead, we can expect that culture, society, communities and individuals will swing between both of them over time. It would be foolish to try and stop such swings, as they are the natural order of things. But rather, it is possible to maybe make sure such swings are less extreme and therefore less distressing allowing ourselves to approach society and that which is emerging as alien to us with a more curious kindness than violent fear. The drama gives a good overview on the case and the people involved. However, where it really comes alive is in the accompanying podcast, also called The White House Farm Murders. The ability to dive into interviews with those who were involved in the case, and especially Colin Caffell, ex-husband to Sheila and father to her twin boys. Caffell has spent much of his life working in psychotherapy with others who have dealt with trauma, and now lives quietly in Cornwall pursuing his artistic ambitions. He is a man who has been through much, but it is also possible to see that he has come to a place where he is able to be incredibly thoughtful about his experience and to have, to a certain extent, made a peace with it. On the podcast, we are told that this is the last time that Caffell will be talking publicly about the murders. And while listening, it is easy to hear how his involvement with the drama series helped underpin it with authenticity as well as respect. There is always tension in true crime dramas between telling the truth, but also creating a drama that actually works on screen. The ethics of how people are portrayed when they have been real people, with all the complexities and paradoxes that we contain, especially when they are no longer able to speak for themselves, is very tricky. The podcast of White House Farm Murders goes some way to allying any fears viewers may have surrounding the ethics of this particular drama. Considering recent controversies around dramas about Ted Bundy and Jeffrey Dahmer, it might improve the reception of this type of drama if they were all to take the same approach and be transparent about their decision-making, thoughtfully discussing the case in great detail on an accompanying podcast. It is also a fascinating glimpse into how producers, writers, consultants and actors work to make a series – 
Anyone who is interested in the portrayal of true crime and where it meets drama will find watching the TV show and then listening to the podcast a rewarding experience. You have been listening to True Crime Fiction, the podcast that is feeding your addiction to all things crime. You can find our website at true-crime-fiction.com, on Twitter at true underscore crime underscore fic, on Facebook and Instagram as True Crime Fiction. Please rate and review on the podcast app of your choice. Music is by Kitty Kitty Meow Meow.